Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Time. There's nothing more valuable. It's what drives everyone to make the most of every moment. We celebrate living large in the now. In a city where time disappears, we create experiences that electrify the soul and memories that will last forever. We go big, we go all night, and here, everyone is invited. So get loose and get loud. This is Circa. You'll have the time of your life. This is the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Hello and welcome to the Arash Markazi Show presented by the Sporting Tribune on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio in Southern California, 98.5 The Bet in Las Vegas, and the Hawaii Sports Radio Network, 95.1 FM and AM 760 in Hawaii. Uh, a lot to get into on a Friday before we head into the weekend. Let's not waste any time. Let's head out to the Circus Sports Guest Hotline and joining us now from the Sporting Tribune, Grant Mona. Grant, how are you? Doing good, doing good. It's getting chilly in L.A., so uh, everyone bundle up and get ready for the holidays. It's going to be a busy season. It is cold uh, in our region, which is normally tropical and beautiful and why we love it so much. It is very cold in Las Vegas as well. I'm in uh, Vegas for the Pac-12 Championship uh, uh, today. Tonight, uh, we got Washington and the Oregon Ducks, and then Saturday, uh, the Mountain West Conference the Championship is also at Allegiant Stadium in Vegas, UNLV, and Boise State. Um, great. Well, wanted to get into the two NBA teams and sort of like the, uh, the headline for today's show, perhaps, is, you know, you've, you've been high on the Lakers. I think you, you think that the Clippers have potential. Big, big, big picture before we kind of talk about what's happening recently. Which team do you think will have the longer run? Which team do you think has the best chance to, you know, go on a long playoff run and perhaps have a chance to win a championship this season. Uh, it's the Lakers are rush. And it's just because I've seen it happen last year and I haven't seen it from the Clippers since 2021. They haven't made the Western conference finals since that year. And that's the farthest they've gotten in this era. So if you look at the Lakers, they did it just what seven months ago and they did it with a team. That's not even as good as the team that they have now. In my opinion, obviously some people have their other opinions about who they let go. Dennis Schroeder being one of them. But I think that this Laker team has the ability to go on a finals run if they're all healthy. And it, you know, if they kind of maybe make one move, I don't think they need a lot. There's been a lot of talks about this Laker team, maybe trading for Alex Caruso back, maybe trading for, uh, Zach Levine, maybe even a DeMar DeRozan. I don't really agree with the DeMar DeRozan one. I do heavily agree with the Alex Crusoe one. I think he would bring, you know, a lot of what he brought in that 2020 title run defense, transition, um, corner shooting. Uh, he's just a connector. He's, he, you know, there's going to be a lot of contenders looking to get Alex, Alex Crusoe back. But in terms of, of who I like better in L.A., uh, I mean, obviously the Clippers have a stacked roster themselves, but I just haven't seen it over the past month or so since the James Harden trade. And for the Lakers, they're beating the teams that they didn't beat last year around this time. And that's an improvement, right? Uh, obviously, both teams are better than what they were at this point last year. The Clippers had turmoil last year, too, with Kawhi being in and out of the lineup, Paul George being in and out of the lineup. Obviously, both teams are healthier now. Obviously, the Lakers want to get some of their, their pieces back in terms of the rotation. You know, Rui Hachimura, Jared Vanderbilt, 
Gabe Vincent. They're still not back yet. When they are, that's going to make this Laker team even more formidable. And that's why I have them up there with the, the elite of the elite in the Western Conference is just because I, I just like their upside a little bit more in terms of their size. Size is a big thing in the Western Conference and in the league, honestly. It's kind of moving back towards that after a small ball era. Uh, with, you know, when Steph Curry shooting threes, it kind of opened up the small buyer. Now we're kind of moving back to the size. That's why the Orlando Magic are doing well. That's why the Lakers have had success against some bigger lineups. So the Lakers have what it takes. Um, and I just have, I think they have the edge in LA right now over the Clippers. Well, when you've seen some of uh, the games the Clippers have had, again, they, you, they've beaten teams that, um, our, uh, that are playoff teams or, or could be playoff teams in terms of the Mavericks the Sacramento Kings, but again, they've also had some pretty bad losses, pretty bad losses as well. When you look at the Clippers, um, I know it's roller coaster, so there have been some highs and there has been some lows. What do you see from the Clippers so far? I just think it's just a lack of discipline in some areas. Um, you know, the starting lineup has a great net rating. They have a great plus minus offensive, defensive, uh, that new starting lineup, I should say, with James Harden, Terrence Mann, uh, Kawhi and Paul George and Avica Zubats. That starting lineup has actually been a positive in terms of net rating. Uh, I think it, it just comes down to a lack of discipline on a lot of levels. Their defensive intensity sometimes lacks. And they have a top 10 defense in the league, which is crazy. If you look at some of their stats and their ratings, you're going to be like, why is this team so bad? Why are they playing so bad? Why is their record under 500? And yes, they've won five of their, or four of their last six games, I believe it is. And they had that horrible loss uh, against the Nuggets at home without Nikola Jokic, Jamal Murray, Aaron Gordon. Um, that was a really devastating blow to a run that they should have kind of been continuing right now. Um, they have a they had a back to back against the Kings and the Warriors, so um, you know they're they're just still trying to piece things together. And around this time, like I've been saying for for a month plus, is that this league is as talented as it probably has ever been in terms of one through fourteen, the teams that can be in the playoffs, that can be competitive. Um, yes, the Clippers have beaten teams like the Mavericks and the Rockets and, you know, they beat a team like the Kings, you know, but they've also lost to a lot of teams that they should have beat. And that's a kind of a common theme after this Harden trade is they just are losing games that they shouldn't. And for, for a team that has four Hall of Famers on the roster for a team that should be winning a lot of these games that they just, I don't know what it is. Maybe it's their mental focus. Maybe it's their uh, the, I don't know if it's the coaching because there's rotation issues as well, just like there was last year. I mean, it just feels a rush a lot like it did last year around this time where there's guys that aren't playing that should be. There are guys in and out of the lineup that could be in the lineup. Um, there's a lack of focus on these regular season games now that they're out of the in-season tournament. And it, it looked like they didn't even care about the in-season tournament anyways. But now that they're out of that, it's really just a regular season game again, every game. So there's really no emphasis on winning right now. And it, it's just what we saw last year. They have to get back to what they were in the first four or five games before the Harden trade, whereas intensity, it was focus, it was aggressiveness, it was energy, every possession. And that's why they're blowing out teams. Say what you want about who they beat. If you blow out an NBA team this year, that's a win. It, it doesn't matter. That, that's what builds that that chemistry and that's what builds things towards a contender i haven't really seen that so far and 
you know, a lot of the talk about, you know, Paul George has mentioned this. He mentioned this after uh, after Wednesday's game against the Kings. He said, it, it's enough. You know, we've had enough time to, to, to gel and there's been enough time to build chemistry. Now it's about building a winning streak. And I'm, I'm not going to, it's a paraphrase when I say that, but his his words were along the lines of, We've had the time to build what we need to build. Now it's time to go on a run because you can't just keep falling back. And you know, they're tenth in the Western Conference right now, Arash. They're, you know, I know it's very, very early, but this Clipper team has to find a way to string together five straight wins, six straight wins, to get themselves back into that top six and have themselves just feeling like a contender again. Whenever you get to feel like a contender, that builds upon what you're trying to work for. So. For them, yes, it is still a process. I understand that, but you're gonna have to start winning games, or else you're just gonna keep falling behind and, and be in that play-in scenario. With the Lakers, are you surprised that they've been linked to some trades? Again, you talked about it, but whether it's Zach Levine, whether it's Caruso, I mean, I think one of the things that people talked about was that they like the fact that there's some consistency and that they're they're not trying to break up this team again the other big thing no one's really talked about grid is that they have not been fully healthy this season so you got to imagine when they are fully healthy in terms of having Rui Hachimura and um, Cam and just you know you, you, you go down the list of guys who've been out um when they're fully healthy uh, I think we were both in agreement they're not only a playoff team but per, per, but perhaps a top four team your thoughts on the clay uh, I'm sorry your thoughts on the Lakers and are you surprised that people have been talking about them perhaps, uh, you know, being a part of a trade at some point. I'm not really surprised just because around this time, you usually find that the Lakers are, are in a lot of trade talks. That's just how it is. Every year, the Lakers are a contender. They're going to be in trade talks, regardless if they're 20 and five or if they're 15 and 18. It doesn't matter. Um, but the Lakers this year, I don't think they need to make any major moves. I, I've seen a lot of talk and rumors about, the Bulls wanting you know Reeves and Rui Hachimura, and that would be a huge disaster for the Lakers. I just don't even try to make a trade like that. All they need is maybe one more defender, maybe one more connector guy, and not, maybe not even that. They maybe not be, don't even need to make a move. I mean, D'Angelo Russell, I've been very adamant about him being a trade piece, and he's been playing pretty well. i got to give him credit. I mean, obviously, I'd like to see them move him for a, a more defensive guard, a more consistent guard like Malcolm Brogdon, but right now if you're winning games and i know their record is is not what they probably want and it's not what a contender's record should be but they're doing much better than they did last year without some of the players they had last year in that run like you said they're missing gabe vincent they're missing a crucial defender and jared vanderbilt just imagine a lineup of cam reddish rui hachimura jared vanderbilt and anthony davis and lebron like you can run that lineup and just have the most size in the league in my opinion so they have what it takes right now they don't need to make a major move for zach levine zach levine i don't even think would fit well on this laker team obviously a lot of teams would like his scoring but for this laker team it's just a name you don't need names you just need guys that can go out there and get the job done they have the roster to do it i i put their roster up against any of the top teams in the league even the celtics very deep roster i put it up against them they have the roster now. Why would you make a big change? It would it would just be kind of like bringing in Russell Westbrook for them. Why did you didn't need to make that move? Just keep the depth, keep the solid guys, and don't make that blockbuster move when you don't need to. Now, if the Lakers find themselves in a downfall and in a slide, and guys are hurt, fine. Maybe I understand it. But as of now, it looks like they're in pretty good shape to just bypass the trade deadline without making any major moves. Arash. 
Um, switching gears to the Rams again. Big game on uh, Sunday. Uh, yes, big game on Sunday against the Cleveland Browns. Who, by the way, I mean, I think we're, we're both kind of tracking who may play quarterback for the yeah. Cleveland Browns on Sunday. But, you know, Grant, if they get this win, which they are obviously favored to do so, when they get to 6-6, six and six, following the Vikings' loss on Monday Night Football, and they don't look all that good, obviously. I mean, the Rams, uh, to your point, may have turned a corner following that Seattle uh, comeback win. Your thoughts on the Rams going into this very crucial game on Sunday? I think, you know, it, it's a great time for them to make a run. And, you know, like I mentioned in, in shows previous and in some of the articles that I've written, I mean, they're, they're clicking on all cylinders offensively. Kyron Williams has unlocked a different part of their offense that we saw in those first five weeks, which is why they were competitive with Philadelphia, which is why they were competitive with San Francisco in that early part of the season, because Kyron Williams was that kind of player. And he proved it again in his first game back. They have to get this win in order to stay afloat, in order to keep up with the Seahawks and the Vikings. I know the, Se- the Seahawks just played uh, you know, on Thursday, so... The Seahawks still have a very tough schedule. Um, it, you know, regardless of a win loss, they have a tough schedule. Um, and so the Rams, there's a lot being made about their schedule. Oh, it's favorable. They still have to play the Browns. They still have to play the Ravens. They still have to play the Niners. It's not going to be easy, but it's just more favorable than what they saw in the first half of the season. So that's why it has a lot of Rams fans really clamoring for a, for a run right now. They have what it takes. Matthew Stafford is getting healthier and healthier. His thumb looks really good. He had four touchdown passes against the Cardinals. Their run game looks excellent with Royce Freeman and Kyron Williams. Their offensive line is healthy. Um, their defense has kind of strung together two great defensive efforts um, with a young, again, a young defense. And Aaron Donald's been a menace, obviously, but... This Rams team, they have what it takes to make a run. It's just a matter of them being consistent. I talked about inconsistency with the Clippers. The Rams can be a consistent football team. They just got to prove it on the field. And look, the Browns have an excellent defense themselves. It's not going to be easy. It's probably going to be a a low-scoring game, maybe in the 17s, the 20s. And like you said, we don't know who the Browns are going to play at quarterback, but that doesn't matter. If they have a great defense like the Browns do, it's going to be a close game. This is not going to be a gimme game for the Rams. When you look at what the sort of, you know, I mean, before the season, I, I think we both thought that there could be a scenario where they are not very good. The, uh, you know, the uh, tank, quote unquote, for Caleb. Um, if they go on a run here, if they make the playoffs, let's just say they win a playoff game and they're in the divisional round. Um, does that make you change your thought process about this team going into next season? Again, I mean, if, if they show that there may be a couple of pieces away, I mean, th- this reminds me a little bit of the Lakers, I guess, in the sense where there was a point at that season a year ago where, where we're like, just take a sledgehammer to this thing. Let's start from scratch. There was those who were saying, like, you know, trade uh, LeBron if you can, trade Anthony Davis. <laughs> then, they, then they get all the way to the conference finals, and you're like, okay, no, like, let's run this back. If the Rams go on a run here, and again, they make the postseason, Maybe they win a playoff game. Maybe they're in the divisional round. Uh, does that make you change your thought process on them going into next season? Uh, no, it doesn't. I think the, the thought process should remain the same. Um, the, the whole thing with this kind of retool year, I guess you can compare it like to what the Dodgers did, getting rid of salary, bringing guys on low minimum contracts, just drafting, playing the young guys. 
Uh, the whole theory around that was to build for next year, to get a lot of cap space, sign guys for the 2024 season draft. You have your first round draft pick. Now you can use it on an offensive tackle. You can use it on an edge rusher. Uh, they'll probably get a quarterback at some point considering Stetson Bennett is, is in the situation that he's in. And I don't know if he will be a Ram any longer. We're gonna have to wait and see for that situation to unfold, but they have a lot of options, Arash, going to next year. Next year should be kind of like maybe the final year of this this core, yeah. I guess you could say, because you're going to have sixty to eighty million dollars in cap wow. space. You're going to have a ton of draft picks. You're going to have plenty in the mid rounds. You're going to finally have your first round draft pick. Um, they have the ability to kind of remake this team into a contender again. And I know Les needs a a guy that loves to spend money when the money's there and good, loves to go all in when the opportunity presents itself. And next year, or actually this off season, is a great uh, you know opportunity to do it. And it doesn't even matter if they don't make the playoffs. That was always the plan. If they make the playoffs and win a game, fantastic. Now free agents are going to want to come to the Rams because they're a contender again. But even if you don't, if you throw money at an NFL player, they're going to want to come. And yeah. Les Steed's going to try to do that. So the process stays the same. They're, they were always going to go in regardless of if, if it was a winning season or not. What this just tells the front office and the fans is that, hey, even in a retool year, we can be competitive. So buy those season tickets. I think that's what their, yeah, their, exactly. main, uh, their main objective is. You know, We're still competitive in a retool year, and that's going to show a lot to the fans, but the free agents as well. There hasn't been really any news in, uh, on the Shohei Otani front, but for whatever reason, I feel more confident that the Dodgers are or perhaps in the driver's seat to sign him. When you look at a couple things, uh, you know, some of the, the other teams that were rumored to be in contention have either fallen to the wayside or are, according to people who cover them, um, not, you know, not committed to, to, to giving him the contract that he wants. The other thing that we're hearing from his camp and from people who know him, and this is not a surprise, obviously, is that he wants to win. Like, he wants to be on a team that gives him a chance to play significant games, meaningful games from October. And, you know, listen, we saw Mike Trout kind of say that before he signed with the team. But um, the, just the more that I think about it, the more that the Dodgers make sense for him. And I don't know that there's no timeline when this may happen. But uh, I guess sort of like an update from you, you're – Thoughts on the Dodgers' pursuit of Shohei Otani? And real quick, um, you know, just because he had surgery, he will hit in 2024, and he's projected to return and become a two-way player again and pitch in 2025. Yeah, it's pretty uh, pretty quiet for such a big free agent signing, and I think that's just the way the agent and Shohei kind of want things to be done. I mean, if this yeah. is any other sport, you'd be tracking private flights, and you'd be having people <laughs> at the airport waiting for, for him in every city that he travels to. But there really hasn't been many reports about what his thoughts are. And you know, there's obviously some tidbits here. There's reports now that the Rangers and the Red Sox are out of the running just because of, you know, I think they think that the Giants and the Cubs and the Dodgers are probably, at, those are my three, I think, is the Dodgers at the top, then the Giants, then the Cubs. And I think the Cubs are really aggressive, which is something that not a lot of people are talking about. They are really infatuated with Shohei Otani, and they're going to try to throw money at him. They already have Seiya Suzuki, so they have a Japanese player on their roster. Um, Toronto's another sleeper as well. Japanese players love to play in Toronto. This is not a foregone conclusion that it's the Dodgers. Obviously, the Dodgers are the overwhelming favorites to get him just because of the scenario, the winning-type culture, the West Coast. He doesn't have to move. 
Um, and I still ultimately think he ends up a Dodger. I don't know for what contract. The, the contract details kind of slowed up a bit. We heard a lot over the season about five hundred million, six hundred million, you know, four fifty, whatever it may be. We kind of soured on that. We, you know, there's been reports about him signing a short term deal, uh, a long term. You know, nobody really knows. Um, there's also a report that he may sign during the winter meetings, which is a, a, coming up pretty soon. So. These winter meetings are going to be a, a really big turning point, I think, for not just Shohei Otani, but Yamamoto, who's a very coveted starting pitcher from Japan as well. He's going to get upwards of 200 to 300 million. There's a lot of reports about maybe the Dodgers going after both. I don't think that's going to happen. I think for the Dodgers, Dodgers, it's either Yamamoto or Otani. It's not going to be both just because that's a lot of money committed to two guys. Yeah. Um, so I think the Dodgers are still the overwhelming favorites. They just signed Jason Hayward to a one-year $9 million deal, which I really love. That's a great get. He was really good last year, not just on the field, but in the clubhouse. So for Shohei Otani, I think that the Dodgers are the are his best bet for winning. And whether it be a short-term or a long-term deal, I think that it gives him the best chance to market himself. I know he's not that big of a marketer, but it gives him a chance to kind of be in the limelight, be in a winning culture, an organization. He doesn't have to move. Um, he gets to be in a great division, as we saw last year. So, um, yeah, there are suitors, though. Keep an eye out for the Giants. Keep an eye out for the Cubs because those and the Toronto Blue Jays because those are three teams that could maybe steal him if he was going to do that. Yeah, and it's a great point because I've often said I think he'll stay with a West Coast team in terms of the proximity, flight-wise, whatnot, to Japan. And, uh, listen, if he is able to get a big contract from the Dodgers, which I'm sure he will, Again, he doesn't have to move, right? You know, he, he, he's in Los Angeles. He's in the number two market. He's with a franchise that's played in the division series the past 11 consecutive years. So he, he has a pretty good shot of playing significant games come October. Uh, Grant, you're the best. We'll, we'll have you back on uh, next week. Uh, uh, exciting slate of football games, uh, of course, this weekend. All right, so let's leave it there for now. When we come back, we'll be talking about USC hoops. When we come back right here on the Mightier 1090s from the California, the Bet in Las Vegas, and the Hawaii Sports Radio Network. We'll be right back with the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Time. There's nothing more valuable. It's what drives everyone to make the most of every moment. We celebrate living large in the now, in a city where time disappears. We create experiences that electrify the soul and memories that will last forever. We go big. We go all night. And here, everyone is invited. So get loose and get loud. This is Circa. You'll have the time of your life. This is the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Welcome back to the Arash Markazi Show presented by the Sporting Tribune on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio in Southern California. 98.5 The Bet in Las Vegas and the Hawaii Sports Radio Network. 95.1 FM and AM 760 in Hawaii. Just as a reminder, if you have a question or comment or want to win tickets to an upcoming game in Southern California, Las Vegas, or Hawaii, call our... Circus Sports Hotline 310-400-0340. Um, speaking of the Circus Sports Hotline, I'm going to head out there to play for you some sound from USC men's basketball head coach. It's Mr. Randy Enfield talking about uh, his team right now. They have a big game coming up uh, this weekend in Las Vegas uh, against Gonzaga. That game happening at BMGM Grand Garden Arena. And again, by the way, just a reminder, 
The Hawaii Sports Radio Network is your home for USC hoops. So now let's head out and listen to USC head basketball coach, the one and only, our good friend, friend of the program, it's Andy Enfield. That was a good win for our team. I thought our players uh, really dedicated themselves to trying to get back to uh, ball movement and good screening and shot selection and, and 24 assists and seven turnovers was impressive. Isaiah Carr had no live ball turnovers. He had two offensive fouls in the second half. So we had seven for the game and two of those were his offensive fouls. And so uh, it was a big step for him because he probably should have had 10 assists tonight. He had six and, and Kobe had seven, but I thought the entire team, we moved the ball. We, we uh, uh, put ourselves in position to take good shots and was very impressed. Andy, did you, did you get what you were looking for from guys like uh, We saw improvement with all those guys you just mentioned. It's, we we can't we cannot be a good team without our front line playing well defensively as well as finishing shots in the lane. We have to have a low post presence. They don't have to have amazing back to the basket moves, but they have to have a go to move and, and finish, um, especially like they did tonight. So I was very very uh, impressed with their. Uh, week of practice and some of the things that they've done uh, to prepare for this game, and we need it to continue. Coach, and, you know, with Boogie going 8 for 10 from 3, when a guy gets hot like that, just how fun is it, you know, to coach, you know, especially with a guy like Boogie who has the swagger and everything. Well, he started out, started out 8 for 9 from 3. That was, that was uh, pretty good. And uh, he um, was one of the greatest shooters I've ever coached, and I was in the NBA before college, so that says a lot. And he can make shots. He's a great shot maker. And when he's taking good shots, uh, he, he is he's terrific. So great to see him come out with that. And uh, uh, when he uh, when he's in the flow like that, he's, he's hard to stop. It's fun to watch. Coach, you brought up your shooting. I mean, over his last well, five years, he's shot <clears throat> close to 40% and around 40%. The consistency is there with his shot. And, you know, talking about the NBA, you know, what do you tell teams, you know, that – ask about him in terms of his ability to be able to shoot the basketball because that's so important nowadays in this game being able to space and shoot, shoot the ball too as well. Well, I think, think it was very important for him to come back this year and, and, and prove that because his decision making has improved. You saw that end of last year, a two to one assist turn ratio. He, didn't, he had no turnovers in our tournament down in San Diego this weekend. Uh, he had one tonight. So the last three games, he only had one turnover combined with, with uh, probably eight or nine assists. So, so uh, for him to be, be efficient offensively was a big thing that everybody wants to see, including the NBA scouts that you're talking about. Uh, he's not focused on the NBA right now, but uh, I, I'm, we're all hopeful that um, he'll reach his dream after the season. But there's a lot of basketball to be played, and he has to go produce and keep getting better. Yeah, a lot of that's decision making. When, when you have high turnover games, it's not necessarily what the defense is doing, stealing the ball or blocking shots. It, it's our players getting sped up and then making poor decisions. And I thought tonight we made much better decisions. We were much more under control when we drove the ball. Uh, we ball faked, and we had, we had our big guys set some really good screens. So I think it's a cumulative effort between uh, everybody on the court. 
and our big guys didn't turn over. Uh, I think one game they had 11 between the, the four of them, and tonight they, they didn't. So, so I thought it was a, a group effort, and uh, we just need to build on it and keep going. Well, I, I think offensively when you have score 106 points on 24 assists and only seven turnovers, that, that, that's a big, uh, and you make your free throws, that, that's a pretty big takeaway that when you play like that and you're unselfish and you take good shots and all the things I just talked about, that's number one. And defensively, we still have some work to do, but um, we, we were switching and our big guys, uh, we're, we're lost in the perimeter a little bit once once they're not used to running out there and staying on the perimeter for an entire shot clock. So I think uh, a couple of our big guys were, were, were lost in the second half. And so that, those are some of the things that we need to work on if we are going to switch uh, when, when, when teams have five shooters on the court like Eastern Washington. Coach, uh, held Eastern Washington to under 45% shooting. Three other teams held them under 40%. What's the plan against Gonzaga this weekend? Shooting just under 50%, scoring about 83 a game so far this season. Well, the plan is to outscore Gonzaga. I don't care what the score is. You know, some some games you have it defensively, offensively. Um, we, we we relaxed a little bit defensively in the second half tonight. We were up 30, and I don't know what we won by, but won by 28. Uh, so. so uh, we have to uh, prepare for the next two days and go to Las Vegas as a confident basketball team and, and go play a great team in MGM. It's going to be a fun, fun uh, weekend, and hopefully we'll play well. Andy, you talked about the, the, the lift that Benz gave this team last year. It seems like, you know, he's looking a little bit more spry, and guys are actively looking to kind of find him, you know, when he's open offensively. Do you sense a little bit that he's kind of like an emotional, you know, yeah, Vince's energy is contagious. He does give great energy, runs the floor, he posts up, he, he's uh, had some big time rebounds tonight, and we need that. And he uh, he just needs to relax and be able to calm himself down. The Oklahoma game, he had that big, uh, we were trying to catch up in the last two minutes. He posted up, we threw it to him, he got the and one. Uh, but he shot an air ball from the foul line because he was still too excited. So, so he has to be able to uh, keep that energy going and then be able to control it at, at crucial times. I thought tonight he did a great job of that. He went uh, five for five from the foul line and, and really uh, affected the game with his, his energy and his length. Coach, um, Kobe Johnson, uh, he's averaging three steals. He had three steals tonight. He's averaging close to two blocks too as well. And I'm pretty sure he had a career high in assists with seven as a Trojan too as well. What have you seen from him in terms of his growth from the start up until now and being able to place him anywhere on the floor? Yeah, yeah, Kobe's improved his overall game, especially in the offensive end this year. And, and that, that's the natural progression of a, of a player like Kobe. He works very hard in the offseason and during the season. And, and he uh, he's a very solid player. And um, when, he, when he was a freshman, he barely played. And then last year, he was first team all defense in the Pac-12 and averaged about nine points a game. So he made a big jump offensively as a sophomore. Now he continues to make that jump to be able to, like you said, fill his stat sheet up with seven assists. And, and he's shooting the ball well from the perimeter, and he can drive it and make plays. So I think that you, what you're seeing is a natural progression for someone that's dedicated to what he's doing. And Kobe certainly does that. Uh, 
Yeah, yeah, I have. Uh, I haven't been able to do, uh, sit down and talk about all the details yet. Uh, but I think um, when the time is right, they'll come out with a nice statement, and uh, we're, we're anticipating Bronny being back on the court soon. And then what what soon means, I don't know. It's it's not my decision, and uh, so I really can't say anything because I don't know anything. Uh, well, I am surprised that he had 25 points because our guys knew he was a shooter coming in the game, and and I just started taking guys out whenever he made a three. Whoever's guarding him came out. So, uh, and then even DJ went under the handoff late in the game, gave up another three. So, so I don't know what to say. You know, if a guy can shoot like Kyman, you you have to guard him, and we didn't guard him very well tonight. But uh, he made seven of ten from the three point line, and he's always been a great shooter. We recruited him in high school. And then we played against him three years again at UCLA. And so, give him credit. He came in here and played great. And uh, we wish him the best. Uh, Eastern Washington's had a brutal schedule with all those road games against high major teams. And I give their whole team credit because they, uh, they're they playing a really challenging schedule here to start. And we, we hope they have a good season. Hey, Coach, uh, speaking of challenging schedules, you guys have five of your next six on the road, including Gonzaga and uh, Auburn on the 17th. How do you guys plan to weather the storm once you leave Los Angeles? Well, we, we, uh, we plan, we're playing a very challenging schedule. We've already played Oklahoma and Seton Hall and Kansas State, and not to mention uh, Irvine and some of these other teams are pretty good. And, uh, and then we have Gonzaga and at Auburn. And so so it's, it's a tough schedule. Yeah, but we wanted to challenge our team. We, we thought we had a team that could handle this. We didn't anticipate half our team being hurt. For, for the first two and a half weeks, three weeks of the season, so that that hurt us because literally hurt us because when when you you see uh, Kobe and uh, uh, Boogie had um, 40 points and eight assists and five steals between them tonight, that was pretty tough to lose those guys at the same time early in the year and and so so that uh, we didn't anticipate that we wouldn't have probably scheduled that hard if if we knew. Our key guys will all be hurt at the same time, and Bronny's been out, and we, we have no guards left, uh, or very limited guards. And so I, I think uh, the scheduling this year was designed to, to challenge our team and give us some marquee games. The Kansas State opening night in Vegas, how good was that? At the T-Mobile, that was cool. Against a very good Kansas State team, just went to the lead eight. We played Gonzaga at MGM on Saturday in a national TV game. Uh, we played in that big you know, tournament in San Diego. We were going at Auburn, who's... Um, uh, incredible uh, home record there the last five or six years. So, so we we know we have a very tough schedule. Now we we try to stay healthy and keep improving and go go uh, try to win some games. Coach, Coach, you talked about Isaiah's two turnovers, his six assists, and he did add 15 points to the game. What did you like overall in his performance tonight, and what do you expect for him to kind of improve moving forward? Well, I, I think you saw a lot of growth tonight where he didn't fly in there and leave his feet and flip a ball or throw a ball 100 miles an hour to someone that didn't have a white jersey on. Uh, so he was able to be aggressive, make good decisions, stay under control, make the right play. And as I said, he should have had nine or ten assists because he, he made some plays and Kobe got fouled in the second half and he, got, he hit him three times on a cut. And, and his only two turnovers were offensive fouls. So no live ball turnovers for a game. He's never done that before. So so very, very appreciative that... Uh, he, uh, he, he uh, watched some video this week and has made an effort to improve. And that's what college basketball is all about, and we expect him to keep doing it. Thank you. Thanks, okay, we're going to bring up student athletes, Kobe Johnson and Boogie Ellis.
boogie, you know, you got a career high in threes, uh, A3, game. Um, when you get that hot, man, just tell us, what, what does that zone feel like? It seemed like you were playing with so much swagger and just any open shot you were, you know, attacking, attacking and knocking them down. Uh, I mean, it just yeah, kind of just, you know, everything's blocked out, you know, just stay in, your, stay in the moment, you know, it's pretty much it. <laughs> Kobe, you used a funny term to describe Boogie the last time we were here. <laughs> How would you describe his performance tonight? Oh, I'm not going to repeat what I said, but <laughs> but uh, <laughs> uh, he's, he's still that. Um, I mean, just he comes in this game and he clearly hits eight threes. That just shows you uh, the type of player he is. You know, once he gets going and gets hot, it's hard to stop a player like that. So if we can keep getting him hot like that and he could keep putting up these numbers, uh, he's going to keep us in a very good position. Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, I figure every year I, I continue to get better shooting the ball. Uh, even when I have games like this, uh, I still, uh, you know, focus on little things like balance. Um, uh, you know, being in, in um, balance in my feet, stuff like that. Um, just, just continue to just always work on shooting, and you know, you can get better. Um, so you just continue to work on that. Yeah, from and for me, I think just uh, expanding my game now and just getting everybody involved. I think that's another step in my game that I need to take. Um, freshman year, uh, I was a defender primarily. Um, last year, I started to open people's eyes about what I can do offensively. I think this year, people are starting to realize the type of player that I am and what I'm capable of. So, I mean, I'm just trying to keep proving everybody wrong each and every night. So, I'm just going to come in, play my hardest, and I'm just trying to do whatever I can to help this team win. What specifically are you guys working towards as a team as you go forward, given a few losses in the beginning and a bit of inconsistency? Yeah, uh, definitely. Uh, yeah, it was just, I mean, the games that we lost, uh, it was just the little stuff, the little details that we didn't do. Um, and I think that's something that we really need to clean up here real fast, uh, especially coming up this uh, Saturday against Gonzaga. Um, they're a tough team, so we can't come in there on any bullshit. So we just got to come in there. Um, we got to hit them in the mouth first. We got to be the be the aggressor this weekend. So, yeah. Yeah, definitely. I feel like uh, we just got to, you know, do the little things, take care of the ball, uh, finish possession strong, early help. Um, you know, take care of the basketball. We do that. Communicate on defense. I feel like we'll, we'll be we'll be definitely fine if we do all the do all those little things. Thank you. Isaiah said uh, that you work with him a lot from the free throw line and, and shooting in general. And he seems much improved. What did you do? <laughs> I mean, I mean, I, it wasn't me. You know, just I mean, just working out with with, with each other. I mean, he still stuff from me. I still stuff from him. Uh, you know, getting downhill, I feel like I'm doing a much better job of getting downhill this year and uh, getting to the basket. But, you know, just overall, just, you know, focus on our details. Um, you know, uh, my brother always makes sure I'm focused on my details for him, make sure the ball moves first, um, s stuff like that. But you talked before the season just about, you know, the, the decision to come back and, 
Oh yeah, definitely. Um, that's the main reason I came back is to win. I didn't come back for anything else. Um, I just feel like you know, there's certain games that I can be better, uh, especially as a uh, especially as a leader. You know, I'm real hard on myself. Um, so I feel like we got a lot of things to clean up, and um, we we, we got to build on it. You know, we got a big game on Saturday, and it's another opportunity. Uh, I don't look at those losses uh, that we have early. Um, as as anything anything bad, it's just a, it's just a lesson, you know. We got a long season ahead. Um, I've been on teams, uh, a lot of teams that win 20 games uh, almost every year. I feel like we can do that, but we just got to make sure that we're preparing for March. That's the biggest thing. Is uh, we're trying to be prepared for March. Uh, nobody cares about who's the best team in November. They care about who's the best team in March. So just continue to to get better and better, and you know, um, as a team, uh, just focusing on that. You know, I know your brother just got hurt, but you and him both are having, you know, a great year. And what's really sticking out is, you know, the process. You guys both, you know, you know, work through the process and then now working to a point to where both of you guys are succeeding. Have you guys both, you know, been in each other's ear, you know, getting each other over the hump? Because I feel like both of you guys are really starting to peak at the right time, both of you guys at the same time too as well. And dealing with the process, you know, of how this up and down game is. And now you guys are at the high point too now. Yeah, um, me and Jalen talk a lot. Uh, we talk pretty much every day. Um, unfortunately, with his injury, uh, you know, he can't really uh, play right now. But, uh, I mean, we've been uh, in each other's ear or with each other uh, through every step of our career. So, I mean, when I was growing up, uh, going through high school, I was uh, under-recruited and he was a high recruit. So he just basically was helping me throughout that whole entire process. I kind of watched how he went and handled his uh his business, and I kind of just try to uh, imitate him a little bit because I knew where he was going, and I and I wanted to be there. So, I mean, each and every day, we, you know, we're just talking to each other, just trying to get the best out of one another, and hopefully one day, um, we're playing against each other or with each other. And then, you know, as a freshman, because you know, I start to see it too now. A lot of kids, you know, if they don't play that much, they might go to another school. You stuck it out and stayed through the process. How do you feel like that's helped you in terms of you know being in your third year and still getting the you know the accolades and stuff that you, that is really needed and also being able to do everything on both offense and defense too as well? Yeah, I, that's just staying true to my work. Um, Coming in as a freshman, I knew it wasn't going to be easy, and I didn't want it to be easy. And I knew I was going to have to work for everything I got. So, All right, that was USC head basketball, men's basketball head coach Andy Enfield talking about his team going into a big game on Friday night at the MGM Grand Goyer Arena, going up against Gonzaga. Uh, they are a, a, a very good team. And by the way, the USC men's and women's, I mean, the women's basketball team is the talk of the country right now, top six, uh, and they have probably the best player in women's basketball right now in Juju Watkins, who is setting and breaking record after record. So excited to follow them this season. All right, that's all the time we have for today. Let's do it again on Monday. Until then, this is Arash Markazi saying stay safe, stay healthy. This is the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Thank you for listening to Believe. 
you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.